Is Trent Richardson about to become very relevant in Dynasty and Redraft once again? No. Who is the biggest winner in the new Houston Texans quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio? And who is the overall winner in the I Got Five on It wagers in 2015? Plus, FFPC 750 number 21 Dynasty League champion Andy Shaw drops by to talk about a bunch of the offseason Dynasty trades he's made already and how he cashed a big payday in Dynasty last season. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour season four finale starts now. You want to see my girl? I ain't that dumb. You want to see my girl? Check Maxim. Man, why does every black actor got to rap some? I don't know. All I know is I'm the best one. It's a bonfire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you must talk about. It's a bonfire. You know these rapper dudes talk, talk, start killing. That got boomed like an arch villain. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Oh, my cousin, now he can't even think straight. Black and white music, now that's a mixtape. Shout out to my blurred. Thanks a lot, Rob, and a happy Easter to you, my friend. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to this special March 25th season finale episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is The Dizzle. Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll chat about who the sneaky good Patriots wide receiver is to be gobbling up in satellites right now, what Ladarius Green is going to do in a Bryantless Pittsburgh offense, and who won that I got five on it wager involving John Duckworth and Don Terminello, as well as settling all of last season's bets. Shout out to the chat room right now. You guys can post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, it is at HSF Hour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you want to chime in and chat with us tonight, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OBA. You can also email the show at the FedEx inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now's the time to send them. Uh, I want to uh, get to fantasy football, obviously, tonight, but just a special mention at the top of the show um, Gary Shandling, Dave, uh, you and I, big fans of him. Yeah, you know, I really love this show. Passed away earlier, uh, yesterday actually it was. He influenced a lot of my comedy. He, yes, yeah. He, <laughs> your stand-up career would be nothing without Gary Shandling right now. Uh, some would say he uh, had the same impact on my stand-up career. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the only, and normally, you know, if somebody passes away, I want to make sure it's like an FFPC player or somebody who had, you know, some sort of Not impact on sure, the show. But... Not to make sure, but like, you know, um, yeah. the only make reason it relevant to make it relevant to the show, and the reason that Chandling is relevant to the show in the introduction that Rob brings us on every week, mm-hmm. he always says, "And now because nobody else is available, Eric oh, yeah. and Dave Gerzak, which is um, one of the running gags from the Larry Sanders show, mm-hmm. when Hank Kingsley used to introduce Larry Sanders on the Larry Sanders show, he'd say, "And now because nobody else is available, here's Larry." That's so, awesome. So yeah. yeah, so that's why I wanted to. Say rest in peace, Gary. We will miss you. Certainly a, a very, very, very creative and funny man. Let me pour a little of my beer on the my dad's root beer on the floor. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure he appreciates that. 
Uh, so before we uh, get into uh, fantasy tonight, I want to remind everybody, once again, I'm going to keep pounding this, contact those local representatives and centers. Make sure you get your meetings set up with them. Tell them that you want to keep playing season-long fantasy football. You, want to play, uh, you don't want to play in a duopoly, uh, and, and you want to choose where you want to spend your fantasy dollars and uh, make sure that your voices are heard so we can continue doing this show every week, which I think is really <laughs> the end game here. We just want to right. have this excuse to put out this podcast every week. That's right. Uh, remember, should we talk about, I mean... Yeah, do you want to say anything? You're yeah. sort of in the know. I'm just hanging out, sort of. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we've created a small business uh, association called the Small Businesses of uh, Fantasy Sports. Okay. And uh, ourselves, as well as like 35 other businesses, are now involved. And uh, we're actually holding a press conference on Tuesday in Albany, New York. Alex, I'm not going to be there. Uh, Alex will be there. I think uh, Chris Lambert actually will be there. And yep. um, Lenny from Draft Sharks. Lenny Papano, yeah. Uh, Draft Sharks is out of Rochester, New York. So, uh, He'll be there, and uh, they're going to be doing some lobbying and talking with legislators to try and get that New York bill fixed, and uh, I wish them well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very exciting. It's, uh, it's going to be a chance for the FF, not, not just the FFPC, but, you know, small... It really isn't, isn't just us. No, it's, it's small daily websites. It is um, other season-long websites. A lot of our friends in the industry have, have come together. A lot of because, content sites are involved. A lot of content sites, um, which... Uh, and, and our podcast. And our podcast, Supporting the Cause. Just showing how desperate they are already over yeah, there. I actually asked Rob, I said, hey, do you want to do this? He's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm making the commitment. Do you need decision. any money? Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't ask for money. Um, anyway, so that is very exciting. That's going on next week in, in New York. And um, I can say that um, the impact of us preparing to do this has already been impactful. I, I guess is, is, what, is what it was. So that's very cool, very exciting. And uh, on the fantasy side of things, we have games going on at the FFPC right now. You can sign up for satellite leagues, classic leagues actually uh, as well. You can uh, sign up for those. Those are drafting at myffpc.com. The Football Guys Players Championship, early bird, June 5th. Get in on that so you get hooked up with all the great uh, Football Guys content for free. Uh, the main event, you want to sign up for that early bird as well, just so you can uh, if for no other reason to get involved in the Pros versus Joes lottery, we'll be broadcasting all of those drafts again this year. Are we doing six Pros versus Joes again this year? We haven't really talked about it. I would imagine so. Okay, I didn't know if anything changed on, on that front. No, I think it's good. Darren, Darren Armani's been avoiding me. <laughs> so, I spoke with him the other day, actually. Did you? Yeah. Did he say anything about PVJ? No. Okay. Didn't mention you either. Well, that's... We have a very hate-hate relationship. <laughs> um, so, okay, so very cool. That's what's going on at myffpc.com. Uh, producer and mutual friend is Rob. Audio engineer is Bryce. Yeah, do we want to get to the news? Sure. Let's talk about your favorite boy, Trent Richardson. Very weird that that this is that that I thought we had the ship had sailed on Trent Richardson, Dave. I, no, I thought we, we would. We wasted a lot of time talking. We about him. we would not be talking about him again. But apparently, he has an agreement with the Baltimore Ravens. If he uh, if he hits certain physical benchmarks with them, they will sign him. To, to a deal, so he hasn't been signed yet. And I, there was an interview in, in the Birmingham News this week about why he failed. You know, obviously the easy thing, well, he's an Alabama running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no field vision. I mean, we've seen, you've seen the gifs where, you know, the hole is right there and he goes right into the offensive lineman's backs. I mean, they're terrible. Yeah, I hate the word gif. I mean, it, it's, it's a G. Call it a gif. It's a G-I-F. Anyway, um, so, but he actually said that um, the uh, – the family pressure uh, that he felt was actually the reason why he wasn't able to focus on the game. Uh, he said it's very easy to get lazy in the NFL. You're on your own. It's not structured like in college. 
Apparently, he bought cars for friends and family. He paid for five funerals that were each at least $12,000, paid for week-long trips for people to go to places like Disney World, and they still complained about it. I can vouch that that's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. I pay for week-long trips to Disney World. So, okay, so let's talk about this from an FFPC Dynasty perspective. How many um, rounds are those rookie drafts? Six, right? Uh, that is incorrect. Seven. Yes. Okay, there's seven rounds. Why not pick him up? Sure. Late, late, I mean, I think but that he Steelers could defense listen, or listen, he could be the starting running back for Baltimore at some point this season. And I don't think that sounds that sounds stupid, but I don't think it's that outrageous. Justin Forsett is 30 something, not getting any younger. 30. Buck Allen was uh, 30, whatever. And he Buck, puts out the Bible quotes all the time. Right. So lovely yes, we've Twitter. talked about this several times. And he's, once again, we're talking about it. He's no Kobe Fleener. I'll just say that. Or Dwayne <laughs> Allen. But um, we have to have a, okay. Go ahead. I yeah, we'll we'll get to that later on. And I got five on it. Buck Allen, uh, not a pedigreed guy by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he performed well, and sure. you know when he got the chance last year. I'm telling you, man, for the ceiling that you could get in round six or round seven of, of an FFPC rookie draft, you're not going to do much better than than Trent Richardson. And again, sounds silly, but I think it's the truth. What do you What do you think? I can't tell if you're disagreeing with me or not. I just think it's funny. It's, it's almost laughable, but it, uh, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it is. If, if it's, you know, if you're looking at like a defense, yeah, that makes sense to take T. Rich. But what if? Okay, here's one for you. I'm assuming you would. You yeah, Manzel or T. Rich. Uh, uh, retired Calvin Johnson or T. Rich. T. Rich. I'm taking Calvin. Uh, I, I won't do that. That's. <laughs> I, I think he is done. I think he really is done. Um, Patriots. Today, according to Field Yates, assigned Nate Washington of the Texans. Nate Washington, 47 catches for 658 yards and four touchdowns last year. He uh, turns 33 this season, Dave. Patriots have already brought in uh, Chris Hogan, uh, who joins Keyshawn Martin, Aaron Dobson, Brandon LaFell. I, did he sign with the Bengals? I think he did sign with, with Cincinnati. Um, so Nate Washington joining the uh, Tom Brady passing game. What do you think about Nate Washington in New England next year? Oh, man, he's so old. God, what is with New England? Well, now bear this in mind. They paid Chris Hogan more than they're paying Nate Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know if they, any contract. I don't think much of Nate Washington, even being with the Patriots. And they, they brought in Martellus Bennett. I'm telling you, the guy who's, who is very sneaky uh, on this team that they signed is Hogan. Yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, the fact that they bring him in and then Patriots, you know, guys who are covering the team are saying Amendola's roster spot could be in question now that Hogan is on the team. You have uh, uh, really no other outside big receiver. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Gronk, Bennett, and Edelman, and that's what's going to drive the train. And the fact that that's the case means that you're not going to pay anything to get Hogan. Right. So he's a sneaky good guy uh, to get as, as your you know, fifth or sixth receiver. Kind of a light week uh, for news, isn't it? You, you don't like the Chris Hogan news? <laughs> all right, let me. All right, hold on. No, Dave, I we, don't. Dave, we buried the lead here. Are you sitting down for this one? The <laughs> Eagles. The Eagles have signed Reuben Randall. Jesus. One year, $1.025 million. Can we talk about some rookies that are, you know, doing something? Uh, you know, really the, the – Combine's over. They're just training. Yeah, I mean, there's I – and mean, we're going to get – and when we get Andy Shock on the show, we're going to talk some rookie receivers. Let's talk about this instead of uh, Randall. You don't want to talk about Reuben Randall? Let's talk about the other one first. The reason I wanted to talk right, about – the reason I wanted to talk about Reuben Randall is if he's playing outside – well – He's going to play outside, obviously, mm-hmm. with Aguilar. A goaler, a goaler, Aguilar. Um, Jordan Matthews would stay inside, but then Doug Peterson said Jordan Matthews might be playing a little bit more outside. What do you think about the prospects of moving Matthews to the outside? Can he do it, and uh, does that help or hurt his, his fantasy stock if he's playing more snaps outside than in the slot? 
You know, it could hurt him actually. I mean, I just I think he does pretty well in the slot. I mean, he, you know, Matthews I think is a little bit overrated. I know that I liked him coming out of college, but he really didn't. I thought he underperformed last year. He really didn't impress me that much. Yeah, yeah. I and remember all the crazy love for Jordan Matthews at, at draft season last year. I mean, it's, it's like second and third second, round, second you know, breakout and all that stuff. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a real diligent hard worker, but I mean he's in the NFL now. He's got to have the physical talents as well. Andy Shaw right around the corner. One uh, one other thing I want to bring up here before we go to this first season. Yeah, that's what I was going to. Okay, go this to. first season news. If anyone was on Facebook at all or checking out any NFL memes in the last uh, 24 hours, I believe you refer to them as memes. Yeah, memes, memes, memes or, or gifs. <laughs> I assume you've seen some about RG3. Yeah. Already tearing his ACL walking into the facility. You know who I saw? I saw our, our friend Kurt. Or signing the contract. I, no, I was walking into the facility. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, uh, he crumpled outside. And our friend, <laughs> our friend Kurt, Kentucky Kurt, um, was, uh, was, was the guy that I saw posted that. That's very funny. I'm sure Robert Griffin III appreciates it. The reason that you saw the, the meme, or mem, uh, he has uh, signed with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, NFL Network's Albert Breer says that the Browns haven't promised Robert Griffin, anything in regards to how much playing time he's going to get. Breer also said that Cleveland is still probably going to select either Carson Wentz or Jared Goff with the number two overall pick. Um, So let's look at uh, Robert Griffin in Cleveland, Dave. Mm -hmm. To me, this this seems exciting when you think about them maybe drafting a receiver early, getting Josh Gordon back from suspension if that happens. Already having Gary Barnage, who had a breakout season at age 45 last year uh, for Cleveland. And then you still have the Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell, and the other guy. Um, <laughs> the less important guy. Yeah, I can't think who it is now. It's not Terrence West. He's gone. I thought they had – oh, you know what? It was Turbin, and then they cut him. So they got Crowell and, and Johnson. <laughs> so there's some pieces on this offense, and the offensive line is very good as well. It's okay. So I get excited about Robert Griffin, but then I'm thinking, like, man, if they take a guy – with the number two overall pick, he's going to be playing very early in the season, maybe not week one. And then what's Griffin's value? You know what I mean? You know, I think Cleveland's just, uh, I, they're so devoid of talent. I just, I'm not, I don't mind taking RG3 as a flyer, but I mean, not only for dynasty and only to hope he recaptures magic and only wait. Yeah. But even then, if you do it in dynasty, it's like, what's the point? Especially in FFPC, you have to cut rosters down. So even if he blows up and is pretty awesome, I mean, then what are you going to carry two quarterbacks? You know, it doesn't really, you're going to carry one quarterback at the end of the season, so you're going to have cutting him or trading him, I guess, and only, and only if he breaks out. I don't know. It doesn't seem like all that. It seems like one of those things like, oh, RG3 is, is back, and we could talk about him again as, as a fantasy-relevant quarterback, and then it's like, well, eh. Maybe. I mean, maybe. How, how, much, how much staying value does he have? How much longevity does he have if Cleveland – now, here's what's interesting. What if Cleveland does what Cleveland does and just don't, doesn't remember the year they needed a receiver and they refused to draft a receiver in one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in, in history? What if they go, they, they browns themselves again, they don't draft the quarterback at all, and then they roll with Huey Jackson and, and as the head coach with RG3 as his quarterback? Now I'm excited. If, the, if that happens, I don't think it will, but then in that case, then yeah, I'm all, I'm all on, especially for redraft. I'm very excited about getting him as my backup quarterback then. So, yeah, Lance is saying that he thinks that they're going to trade out of that number two pick now, and they can wait on quarterback. They, would, can, you know, they can wait until the second round. But I, I wonder who would trade up then. San Francisco would be interesting if they traded up. I'm not really sure. Hmm. Not okay. Really sure. Well, hey, l- l- listen, Lance has his pulse on all things Niners, so maybe he knows something that we don't. Maybe. Our guest knows something that none of us know about, and he's going to tell us all about it right after this. Andy Shaw, 750 number 21 FFPC Dynasty Champion from 2015, coming up right after this. We've got a guest coming up right now. 
now on the Zach. Come on, our season four finale. It really is unbelievable. The audio is now relatively crappy. The audio went from how really the audio went from terrible to slightly better to unbelievably awesome to terrible to unbelievably awesome and now to below average again, I would say. The show has kind of followed that same track. I don't know if we ever got tremendously awesome (laughs) on the show, but you know what? Our next guest is going to be tremendously awesome. Uh, He is a uh, diehard Packers fan, Dave. He was born and raised in Green Bay. Oh, really? Now he cautiously lives in Philadelphia, constantly surrounded by emotionally unstable Eagles fans. His (laughs) words, not mine. He's been playing fantasy football and redrafting keeper leagues for 22 years. He's been playing in Dynasty for six years, and he plays at all Dynasty price points in the FFPC, teams at the 500, 750, 1250, and 2500 levels. He has already had him on already. What the hell? Listen, I I am one man, okay? I can only keep track of so many people. We need a booking agent for the show. We really do. And uh, he's been laying in the weeds. We found him. Very excited. He's a multiple league winner, ladies and gentlemen. 500 number seven and 750 number 21 so far. Please welcome into the show, Mr. Andy Shaw. Andy, thanks for coming on, man, and an early happy Easter to you. Yeah, happy Easter. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's so awesome that we have a, a fellow, well, Dave would never say he's a Packers fan. Um, I am a Packers enthusiast. It's very exciting to have a fellow Packers fan on the show tonight. Let, let me ask you this right now. Have you seen the, the new photos of Eddie Lacy? How excited are you? <laughs> He's looking like a spelt man. I, I, I'm telling you, he, uh, and listen, I don't, I don't, you know, throw this metaphor around too much or simile or whatever it would be. Eddie Lacy almost looking more attractive than me right now, Dave. Oh, good God. And I'm telling you, that, that is, uh, that's a tall order, but Lacy looking very good. I'm uh, very excited about uh, him uh, this season. But let's uh, enough about Lacey. Let's, uh, let's talk about you, Andy. What do you do for a living there in Philadelphia? I actually work for uh, one of the big mutual fund companies, and I manage a sales team uh, around the Northeast. So I spend a lot of time on uh, planes, trains, and automobiles uh, running around the Northeast section of the country. That sounds like fun, actually. To travel all, in, uh, all around the country? Yeah, well, I mean, to that, yeah, somewhat. But I mean, just... I, I, the whole investment industry, I know you, I always talk about it, but I, I think it's interesting. Giving you the floor to talk about it again, because I know you love to do I, I don't, it. I'm not going to ask any specific stock questions at all. I'm going I'm to avoid that <laughs> this time. Unless you have any tips, uh, Andy. Is, uh, I'm not going to ask, but if you wanted if to you say want, anything. Yeah, if you want to just, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you a safe harbor here. You can just say whatever you want. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody listening would love to hear us talk about your IRA for about a half hour, Dave. So. <laughs> and how, how poorly diversified it is. <laughs> All right, so let's, we will talk fantasy sports here. So let's talk about your uh, 750-21 title last year. Um, a bunch of the players from your squad have, are, have already been in the offseason headlines, uh, so let's talk about them a little bit. Uh, you own TJ Yeldon. Um, so let's talk about uh, – were you disappointed to see them ink uh, Chris Ivory to that free agent deal? Uh, why do you have to start so negative? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we asked the hard-hitting questions I mean, here, was- man. That, that was definitely not good. I, I, I didn't like to see that. I mean, I, what I think it is is it's unquestionable proof that uh, Dave Caldwell and uh, Gus Bradley don't care about my fantasy team. That's for sure. And I, that's it, for sure. It's so it, it's annoying. And I said this right when they when uh, when Jacksonville signed Ivory uh, Andy. It, it was uh, all those like owners that 
got pretty good value on Yeldon as a late first round, mid to late first round pick in rookie drafts last year. And Jacksonville really didn't do anything to, to, to bring in significant competition for him. I mean, I, I, to me, Denard Robinson is just sort of a guy there. Um, so I, I was, if I would have gotten Yeldon at that spot, I would have been super excited. And then, you know, now they sign Ivory and now it's just like, okay, what am I doing with Yeldon now? Now I'm not going to get anything for him. And I sort of have to hope for an ivory injury at this point for him to get at least redraft value. I think that there, there's still value in DEs, but for redraft, it's, it's tough, man. Well, I think, I mean, that said, it's a great football move. You know, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense for the team. But for, you know, those of us in fantasy, it makes, you know, it's a horrible fantasy move. I think the, you know, Yeldon was one of those you know, the very few three down workhorse running backs that we had to uh, sort of lean on last year. And, you know, the Jags just decided to go out and, you know, spend $32 million on a 28-year-old bruiser, uh, Chris Ivory, that I think, you know, this is a great uh, example of the rookie rookie rate scale uh, working exactly as they hoped for the team and for the veteran players, uh, all at the expense of the rookie. So okay, that I mean, it's it's frustrating for uh, for Yeldon owners. I think obviously for Ivory owners, it's a little bit frustrating too that he ends up in that spot to uh, go from where he went as the uh, Jets bell cow last year to where he is in Jacksonville. So again, uh, more to come on how that Jacksonville running back situation shakes out as we get closer uh, to training camp. Talk about uh, a little bit about a guy who helped you win the 750 number 21 league last year, Andy. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he gets Brock Osweiler throwing him the football and Lamar Miller replacing Arian Foster in the backfield for the 2016 version of the Houston Texans. How much, if at all, does his 2016 production change from what he did last season? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's going to change uh, at least to some extent, and it certainly could uh, significantly given – you know, more than anything, I think the signing of Osweiler and uh, Miller is a pretty good indication of how Bill O'Brien and that Texans coaching staff wants to win games next year. Um, you know, I mean, it's all over, you know, a lot of articles and different podcasts about how, you know, the, the Texans offense last year, I mean, they ran more plays than any other team. And, you know, I look at the, both, both those signings, and to me that means – they clearly want to slow things down. They want to run the ball more. They don't want to turn it over, and they want to play great defense, which, you know, if I'm trying to sell you on a number one wide receiver on a team, I say all that stuff, and, you know, you're thinking, well, how does that help me, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective? So, I mean, I think I think Hopkins is awesome, but I think it's fair to wonder if maybe in 2015 if we saw really the, the best that he has in this offense uh, on this team – in terms of his ceiling for, uh, what, 111 catches, 1,500 yards, and he had 10, 11 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns, I think. So it's uh, – and, and I, you know, paying attention to literally every website and podcast I get my hands on, I think Matt Harmon, uh, who does the reception perception, and Matt Kelly from Roto Underworld, both those guys have done – some good articles and podcast stuff on Hopkins and that Texans offense about, you know, everybody needing to pump the brakes a little on expectations for Hopkins going into uh, 2016, given, you know, just the role he played on that offense last year and the way that offense operated, uh, given what it was capable of uh, with Arian Foster out and, 
not uh, not a great running game. I think, you know, your your expectations for Hopkins are really dependent on which DeAndre Hopkins you think you're going to get. Are you going to get first half of 2015 DeAndre Hopkins, or are you going to get second half of, DeAndre, of the season DeAndre Hopkins? Because it was very different. Um, you know, through the first eight, they had a week nine bye. Through the first eight games, he was just on a tear. 112 targets, 66 receptions, 870 yards, six touchdowns. The last eight games, very different, uh, you know, slowed down quite a bit. 80 targets, 45 receptions, 650 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, you know, when you think about that, I mean, that is so different in terms of, you know, the player you got in the first half of the year and the second half of the year. And I think it all comes down on how the Texans want to play football and how they think they can win football games. Well, okay, Andy, now let's lead into I, – I think you led in beautifully on why you made this deal for DeAndre Hopkins in the 750-21 league. You end up trading him, coming off a title, uh, which I know, Dave, I get emotionally attached to my dynasty guys normally. I get even more emotionally attached to him when I win a title with them. So it's very difficult for me to part with them. But, Andy, you swapped DeAndre Hopkins, the final pick of the first round, and the final pick of the second round – and in return, you get the 401 plus Odell Beckham. So to me, it sounds like you really feel like this was the time to sell high on Hopkins. And then you actually upgrade uh, in Beckham. You lose out on the two, um, uh, you know, the first round pick and the second round pick. But you had to be, based on what you just told me, you have to be pretty pleased about, about this deal getting done for you. Well, I mean, I looked at the Texans last year and, and I looked at the additions they made with. Osweiler and Lamar Miller, and I mean that coaching staff. I mean they're choreographing for you exactly how they think they can win games next year. Um, so Hopkins aside, you look at the Texans themselves. First eight games, they averaged 91 rushing yards, 275 passing yards. The last eight games, they went up to 126 rushing yards and down to 220 passing yards. So I mean. Two, I mean, vastly different sort of offensive profiles when you think of the first half of the year and the second half of the year. And, oh, by the way, if you're the coaching staff trying to keep a job, you went three and five in the first half of the year, and you went six and two in the second half of the year. So, you know, I just think, I mean, I think Hopkins is an awesome player, um, and I like him a lot. But when I was thinking about, you know, where what I needed him to do on this team who is, you know, you know, win now window. I, you know, I just, I thought, you know, the, the three, four, five points a game that that difference might mean between his first half of the year and the second half of the year, the only guy I would trade him was OBJ. And so I, I you know, I, I went out and tried to make that deal. I, I originally offered Hopkins in the 112 and the owner of OBJ wanted a little more for it. And, and it's funny because he said to me, he said the only player I would consider trading OBJ for is Hopkins. But, you know, he wanted some compensation for that. So, And I think the important part of the deal was he wanted a little more. And so I gave him the 212, but I got the 4-1 back. So, you know, you're talking about the 24th pick in the draft and the 37th. And to me, at that point in the draft, with this draft class, that's the same lottery ticket. So to me, that didn't matter. I was willing to give that and uh, thrilled to have OBJ on the squad. Yeah, the 212 pick, who gives a crap? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it makes perfect sense. So talking about trades, let's talk about the uh, 500 number seven trade you made 
Uh, you dealt away three young prospects in uh, Doriel Green-Beckham, Funchess, and uh, Kevin White, who, uh, you know, none of them did very well during, you know, rookie seasons. But I thought Kevin White was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Ke- Kevin, Kevin underperformed a bit. <laughs> so that you dealt those three guys away. But, you know, they all have, you know, really good chances of, of at least doing something this, this coming season or next year. You acquire Sammy Watkins, Michael Floyd, and Ladarius Green. Uh, granted, Ladarius Green you got prior to the Pittsburgh signing. Um, how did that deal come, come about, and what were you thinking about? Uh, did you think consider Green's eventual landing spot when you were uh, looking at that deal? Yeah, you know what? I, I love this trade. It, this one took months to come about because it was uh, – I was interested in Green. The other owner was interested in DGB, and we kept, you know, sort of going back and forth on those two players uh, with different configurations and different, you know, attempts to sort of put a deal together. And – I mean, we're talking two months into this thing. All of a sudden, this configuration came about. And, I, I mean, I love the upside of White and DGB. So I was definitely sad to let those guys go. But, I mean, Funches, I don't necessarily – I like him as a player, but I don't necessarily see that much upside with Calvin Benjamin coming back next year. Greg Olson's a target monster in that offense. And Carolina, quite frankly, is pretty, you know, run heavy. And, you know, to be the – third target on a run-heavy team doesn't necessarily excite me all that much in terms of upside. So the fact that I was able to, to turn that into Sammy Watkins, Michael Floyd, and Ladarius Green, I was thrilled. Uh, knowing that, I mean, I had some I had some pretty interesting sort of ideas of where Ladarius Green could go. Uh, as a Packers homer, I was certainly hoping Ted Thompson would, you know, uh, open the coffers and invite a uh, free agent in this year, but that uh, clearly wasn't going to happen. But, you know, he could have gone to the Saints. I was, you know, sort of from a distant possibility, hoping that Indianapolis would let Allen and Fleener both go and bring him in there uh, to play with Andrew Luck. That would have been awesome. But, uh, you know, ending up in Pittsburgh with Big Ben and, you know, with what happened to Martavis Bryant, um, you know, that's pretty exciting uh, in terms of uh, his, his upside there in that offense. So, I was uh, pretty excited to see that landing spot, even though I didn't know when this trade went down. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at what you acquire here. You get the number one target in Buffalo, the ascending what could be the number one target in Arizona, and then you get Ladarius Green, who, you know, is probably number three, I would say, uh, on the team for targets, best-case scenario behind Bell and Brown right now. But obviously you're, you're paying for the Chargers Ladarius Green or the free agent Ladarius Green. You're not pay- you, when you made the deal, you weren't paying for Pittsburgh. DGB obviously is is the freak, but Delaney Walker seems like he's the, the number one target in that offense. Uh, and then Kevin White's behind Alshon Jeffrey, and Devin Funchess is going to be behind Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson. So I think he did very well uh, in 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 that deal. Uh, let's let's talk about yeah, well, uh, could, this, is, this is one bulky where I own shares of these players elsewhere. So I'm hoping both teams make out in this deal. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I love the upside of White and DGB. It's just you know, will they, will they emerge? Is this the year they come out? And, you know, are their offenses ready for them to uh, to, to kind of emerge? Funches, take him or leave him. I think, you know, he's he's a polarizing guy. I know a lot of people, you know, aren't, aren't huge fans. But, you know, this is one of those where I'm hoping all six of these players do pretty well. And, uh, you know, everybody everybody leaves this deal happy, I hope. Fantasy Football Players Championship Dynasty League Seven seven hundred fifty Dynasty League number twenty one champion Andy Shaw joining the show uh, tonight. Andy, let's talk about your twelve fifty number three league. 
Martavis Bryant gets suspended, and then you deal him, and you get the 107 for him. That's fantastic uh, getting that. I mean, how, t- talk a little bit about how that deal came about, what the other owner was thinking with Martavis Bryant after he had already been suspended for a year. I, I, I'm just – because we are talking about this on the show – after it happened, we were talking about, uh, yeah, maybe a mid to late second round pick we'd was, give up for Mark. Mid-second. Mid-second. Early, uh, early to mid-second. Early to mid-second. Okay, I don't remember the early to <laughs> er, early part. Play first. I, okay, listen. Hey, you know what? I was wrong. First overall pick is the only way. No, but you get the 107 for him. How, talk a little bit how, how that deal came about because I, I love this deal for you. Yeah, well, and you know what? I mean, I, I love it too. Just uh, I, I've gone back and forth with uh, – one of my league mates in, in a couple of leagues, uh, Mike Bronte, we've, we've gone back and forth about players who have their uh, checkered past with, uh, you know, either behavioral problems or, you know, uh, performance enhancing uh, drug issues or w- whatever it might be. But, you know, whether or not you even want those types of players on your team. So leading up to this, before any news of the suspension had happened, I had been trying to move Bryant for over a month. I mean, I, I've been trying. I just wanted him off the team. I wanted to cash out for whatever I could get and uh, hopefully get a good player and a pick in return. And, you know, then it comes down that, that this, you know, suspension comes through and you're looking at a year plus, you know, with a big question mark as to whether or not this guy's going to, you know, even be back in the league. And I, I, I actually didn't do anything other than try and go get him really cheap in a couple other leagues. I tried to go, you know, kind of like you said, late second plus a late third or what, whatever I could do, just, you know, really lowballing people just to see if anybody wanted to move them. And, uh, and, and nobody really did. I mean, nobody was really doing anything. So my one share of Martavis I just held on to. And, uh, you know, an owner in this league uh, threw me an offer of, I think their opening offer was 203. And I just said, hey, you know, for 203, I'd rather just sit on him. I've got the wide receiver depth on that team. I mean, he was, he was one of, you know, probably six, you know, wide receiver one and twos that I that I had on the team. So I, I had the depth to just sit on them and stash them if I needed to for a year. So that was kind of a, a nice luxury to have. And, you know, I said, for a first, he's yours, uh, you know. And uh, and he had, I think he had the 107. Uh, I think that was his only first-round pick that he had left. And uh, we were able to get that deal done, and uh, I clicked accept as fast as I could. And, I could also make the argument from his side of the trade too, because you know a very uh, um, you know a risky move, but definitely one that can pay off. Because if you're thinking about 107 in this draft, and you think about what you're getting in year one, you know, and if you have that ability to sit on Martavis Bryant for a year, because you know what you can get, you know what he's capable of when he's on the field. It's just, are you willing to take that gamble of him sort of keeping himself out of trouble for 12 months? and getting back on the field and then staying uh, on the straight and narrow. Because um, at 107, you're looking at somebody like uh, uh, Michael Thomas from uh, Ohio State. You're looking at a Sterling Shepard. You're looking at Tyler Boyd. I mean, you have to decide what your expectations are of that player in year one because that's how long you're going to have to sort of sit on Martavis for you know, him to get through the suspension. And then in year two, would you rather have that player and what they're, you know, potentially going to become. Again, we haven't seen those guys on an NFL field. We don't know what they're capable of. Would you rather have somebody who you know what they're capable of if they can get back on the field and just be willing to sort of take that gamble? And, uh, you know, the player, actually, he's probably sitting in the chat room right now because um, I know he's, he's usually there for you guys. But, 
he's definitely not afraid to take risks. He's got Josh <laughs> Gordon on his uh, on his roster, and uh, you know, so so I think it's I, I think this trade could go both ways. I mean, you could you could make a profit on this both ways. Uh, I personally, I'm a little more conservative. I was happy to get him off the roster. So I'm going to follow up here. Speaking of Josh Gordon, and you're in the mutual fund business, and you're know, so used to stocks being valued highly, poor, you know, moderately. They're low. They're about to go bankrupt. You know, next thing you know, you're a Bill Ackman holding Valiant Pharmaceuticals, and they're you know going to the toilet. So, what do you think about Josh Gordon right now? If you own Josh Gordon, are you putting him out there before he either does or does not get reinstated? Do you wait, even holding him this long? Do you wait until he gets reinstated? Do you want to just keep him and just now try and reap the benefit of having held him for so long? Or what were you? What would you do if you did hold him or if you did have him? And if you do have him, tell me what you're going to do. Uh, you know what? I don't own a single share. I uh, and I'm trying to think back if I ever have. I don't know if I ever have. Uh, but again, I I play from a slightly more conservative nature to where, you know, having to consider the behavioral or sort of you know, you know, performance enhancing or just illegal drug point of view in terms of <laughs> behavioral issues. Having to factor that into the equation of how I value players to me just seems like way more work than it needs to be. So, I mean, those, those are players I'd be trying to move. I'd be, I'd certainly be trying to get fair value for them because when they get on the field, a lot of times, I mean, these are the ones we care about are the ones who we know can make a significant difference in your, in your weekly lineup uh, and can just, you know, can just go off for 20, 25, 30 points. So, you know, it's not something I think you should just give these players away, but those are guys I just, I just don't want on my roster. Remember, we, we've had on the show before Dave uh, Kirkikis, our, our good friend, Dr. Feelgood, out in uh, Los Angeles, who, for a living... Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, he always he, he calls me, like, you know, I'll, I'll like, commission draft and be like, hey, this is Dr. Feelgood. You know, he <laughs> needs something. Anyway, he, for a living, he um, does, like, sort of psychological evaluations for potential contestants on reality TV shows. I what, think it's such a crazy. Like, it's bizarre, but yeah. and he might be retired. I, I I shouldn't say that, but he used to. And I think it, I wonder a. I wonder if he has any contacts who do similar things for players in the NFL. And b. Why can't he start doing this for teams in the NFL and then telling us? Like, yeah. wouldn't you like to know where Martavis Bryant's head is at right now? You know, is it more like Josh Gordon's or is it more like Johnny Manziel's? You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I think that that well, that would all, be very he, telling. If he starts doing it for teams in the NFL, he's not going to tell us anything. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, we got to interrogate him. on lockdown. We'll, we'll get him. We'll get him. He's coming on our podcast when he's making big, big banks in the NFL teams. No. I think, I think that's the only way I'd have him back. I mean, sure, Kendrick West was even giving us return on our calls. Yeah, that's well. He's listen. That was in season. We tried to get him on. That's that's difficult. I mean, he's fine now. Hey, actually, let me ask you a question. Would you consider yourself more of a metrics or a film guy from a dynasty perspective? Uh, you know what I. I read it all, I watch it all, and I I know for sure that I don't know enough that what I do is I go out and I try and gather up the opinions of people who I, you know, I see their work, I, I understand their process, I appreciate the output they put out, and I try to just gather up as much as I can get. And at the end of it, if if what I hear from them matches up with what I see on the tape, then I mean, that's kind of how I move forward. And if, you know, there's certain players that I can't get on board with where, you know, I'll read 
I'll read the scouting reports from any number of people. I mean, I, I, I love the RSP that Matt Waldman puts out there. Um, that to me is kind of the, the sort of pre-draft and post-draft Bible of, uh, you know, trying to see if I can see what he's seeing uh, out of these players. But, you know, a lot of other folks do, do some great work as well. You know, I, I just try to gather it all up. If it matches up with what I see, you know, those are the players I kind of, you know, tend to uh, sort of steer myself towards. And if I can't see it or if I, you know, there's certain players where I just, you know, despite what somebody may say they see and, and different uh, qualities that they think, you know, make that, you know, project that person to be very successful at the NFL level. If I can't see it, I just I kind of cross them off my list, and unless I get them at a great value, I kind of ignore it. So, you know, I'd say I'd say both, but you could also probably say neither, because you know whether it's metrics or film, you know, I I kind of count on uh, sort of seeing the opinions of people who I trust and I know know more than me, and then uh, you know I, I just kind of try and match it up to what my own eye sees and go from there. You know, I want to talk, talk about the rookies scouting portfolio a little bit. I agree that I, I love that publication unless there's a player like I really like. And then I'm like looking at, you know, like let's say there's a wide receiver I really like. And I'm looking and I'm looking, you know, that thing, it's like 600 pages long. And then, you know, so I skip through all the, you know, no offense, Matt, I skip through all the crap because there's a lot of crap. It's like <laughs> the individual scouting reports. That's like 400 pages of crap. I don't read any of that. So I go to the wide receiver rankings. That's like, Oh, where's my guy. Right. And it's like, Oh, you know, one, two, three, four. And he's got these like five paragraphs, six, 10 paragraphs on each player. And it's like number 12 is my is my guy and he's supposed to be like a number one or number two pick i'm like oh this this sucks this publication sucks you gotta be able to kill your babies dave and i cannot i i cannot do that can you um, you can do that andy uh, what you're talking about dave you you wanted to talk about the investment industry you're talking about <laughs> confirmation bias there i know i mean you're trying to you know i can't sell the losers man your the opinion you already have so i mean i'm I, hanging and, on to them that's why i love i love just going out and gathering as much of this as i can find whether it's Matt or anybody else across the industry. I mean, I read as much of it as I can find and I just, I soak it all in and I, I, you know, I watch as much of the stuff on draft breakdown as I can for myself. And and again, if I, if I can find that perfect match of, you know, what I read from other people and then what I see for myself, if I can find the match of where I'm like, I definitely see it. I believe in it. I, you know, that, that's the perfect, perfect thing. If it doesn't match up, it just makes me watch it more and do more sort of uh, investigating, so to speak, to try and figure out, okay, who's got it right, who's got it wrong, and, and where do I come down on it? And at the end of the day, I mean, if you don't believe, you can't pull the trigger on draft day. You know, I, you guys are saying very kind things about Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. I just said it sucks. And, and I, I – It's not bad when his rankings are – Yeah, but initially you said it was very good. All right. And I would love to agree – um, but I am still uh, halfway through the 2007 edition of the rookie <laughs> scouting portfolio, and uh, eventually I'm going to get there, guys. It's just it's a lot of information. He's been wrong on a couple guys from back then. He, well, I wouldn't know because I'm only halfway through. So, but uh, you're but very yeah. thorough, Balky. Yeah. Well, listen, it's, that's that's my way, man. You, it's uh, no cliffs, no tear. David, do you want to talk a little rookie receivers with yeah. Andy as long as just, we, we have him on? I'm just bathing in your wonderful uh, 2007 comments. Yeah. So talk about, you know, rookie wide receivers. Let's talk about Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, and Laquan Treadwell, who definitely has the coolest name out of those three guys. That's debatable. Doxson. Josh Doxson. It's, kind of, it's a dog. Corey Coleman. Sounds like a rapper. It's cool that, you know, you got the Corey Coleman going on. That's kind of cool. 
So anyway, <clears throat> what do you think? Uh, can you rank them for us? Who do you like the best out of those three dudes? Well, based on how Eric just said Josh Doxson, I, I think I might have to go with him just because of how he pronounced it. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I mean, I think I think Zeke is clearly the 101 prize in this year's draft. I think, you know, I think that's uh, that's pretty clear to most folks and, and, you know, in terms of anything I'm reading or hearing on uh, the different podcasts. But, I mean, all three of these guys, in my opinion, I mean, you can put them in any order you want. I, I think if if somebody had the 102 and they picked any one of these guys, I don't think I would fault them fault them for taking uh, taking their guy because I think I mean all three were Bolitnikov finalists. I mean, you know the, these guys are the cream of the crop in, in this year's class, and so uh, Treadwell I think at the end of the day is probably my favorite, um, but I, I like all three and. I, I actually own the 102 in a in my 500 league, which is a full out rebuild where I have four or five first round picks, which is awesome. But um, thankfully, in that league, I also own the one 103, so I don't necessarily have to make the decision. But um, you know, I, I get to get at least two of these guys. But uh, you know, Treadwell's my favorite, um, and it's funny too because rem- I remember watching two years ago. Uh, I remember watching. Uh, draft breakdown tape on Dante Moncrief, and my and and I like Dante Moncrief a lot. I mean, I, I own him in a couple of places, and I, I think he's great. Um, hoping he emerges as uh, Andrew Luck's favorite chess chess piece this year. But my favorite thing from Dante Moncrief's tape here it is was Laquan Treadwell. Yes, it's exactly uh, what I said in past episodes. Go ahead. Yeah, this is great. I, I kept, I kept going like, "Whoa, who is this freshman kid? Who's this number one? Like, what?" Me too. You know, so all this—I I totally got distracted when I was watching Dante Moncrief. I, you know, went off on a, you know, sort of down a side alley of, of a guy who I wouldn't even be able to sort of touch for two years. That sounded well, weird, but well, that's not absolutely true that I've said. That. I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt you. It, no, it it 100 is true, and it's it's weird because a lot of people when they talk about the high stakes fantasy football are you, you're here who, who hosts it. Well, Eric Balkman, who's that guy? But they come for the Dave Gerzak, obviously. No, they don't. 2008 but. National Fantasy Football Champion, primetime winner, six-figure winner. Let, let's hear Dave Gerzak's analysis, and then they actually listen to the show. and like, whoa, who is this Eric Balkman guy? <laughs> I mean, Mike, the, the, just the, the well-thought-out opinions, the silky smooth voice, the undeniably have-to-be-fantastic good looks based on what I hear. I mean, and, and so I know, exa- while I did not watch as much Moncrief tape as you guys, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> That's great, Paul. Thank you. Um, Andy, let's, well, uh, let's get, I, we have, have Andy. I have a question Shaw. for you guys. Shoot. I, I have a question. Can you be both a Balkaholic and a Gerzak addict at the same time? Is that even possible? It's okay. I, I've been asked this question before, uh, and I'll give you the answer. By one person? No, no, no. By several people. I'm sure. Listen, here's how it works. If you hearken back to your SAT days, um, <laughs> all Gerzakanatics are Balkaholics, <laughs> but not all Balkaholics are Gerzakanatics. <laughs> is the way it works. And and that, I listen, see how that works out for you. This yeah, is, that's, that's nice. Listen, these are the stats. The numbers don't lie. Uh, Andy Shaw. Yeah, the, what? The Ipsos survey. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, number twenty-five. At, right, right. Yeah, right after. Four uh, percent uh, of women are now playing fantasy sports. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, it was, and it was right before. Uh, what race are you? <laughs> so, yeah. Ninety-nine point four percent white. We're making a dent. <laughs> 
750, number 21, FFPC Dynasty champ Andy Shaw is our guest tonight. Andy, we have a couple of emails here. Uh, and the first one is from Glenn in New York, New York. He writes, hello, Mr. Shaw. So many people were high on Devontae Adams after the Nelson injury last season, and he could not have disappointed more. Given that the Packers are usually pretty good at drafting wideouts and Aaron Rodgers makes everyone look good, what went wrong? And do Cobb and Nelson become the only two draftable pass catchers in the Green Bay offense in 2016? Happy Easter. That is from Glenn in NYNY. Thanks for the email, Glenn. So let's talk about, well, first we'll talk about Adams and, and what we were, and I'll lump myself in with we. It's the one time I've been wrong in fantasy. I drafted Devontae Adams pretty high in a couple of leagues. But what went wrong with Devontae Adams? And then when you look at uh, drafting Packers receivers in 2016, are there any other juicy options outside of Cobb and Nelson? Well, I think when you say you were wrong about Adams, I think you've been wrong up till now. Uh, I think we've seen some flashes. Uh, You know, second-year player, I mean, you're not necessarily thinking he's got it all figured out just yet. So certainly – Certainly, some more could come of it. I don't think the I don't think the final chapter has been written, but definitely uh, definitely has not worked out the way many thought it would, based on college production and you know where he got drafted. And you know, obviously, Ted Thompson has been kind of the the wide receiver guru when it comes to the draft. So I think uh, maybe maybe expectations were just a little too high, but. I owned. I, I actually only owned one Devontae Adams share, and in in the short roster format this year with Cup coming, he was like my wide receiver seven on a team, and I I had to let him go for a you know a, a middle round 2017 pick. I mean, I just had to sort of get anything I could for him, uh, as opposed to to just flat outright cutting him. But I I don't necessarily think the final chapter is written. It hasn't looked great up till now. You hear a lot of uh, you know things coming out of the Packers camp about the, you know, the lack of preparation and sort of just kind of understanding the game, uh, you know, the, what they're trying to put together from a game plan standpoint and, you know, putting it all together on the field. But I, I definitely think as you're looking at that, that offense, I mean, I think they've got more wide receiver options or weapons than, than most people give them credit for thinking about just, you know, letting James Jones go, Jordy Nelson coming back, Cobb looking for a bounce back year. I mean, Ty Montgomery, I think, has a lot of potential. Everybody, you know, everybody's favorite sort of, uh, you know, most hopeful Jeff Janis, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, prediction. Um, Abbott Harris is there. I mean, and I, I wouldn't doubt, I, I would not be surprised if they actually spent some significant draft capital on wide receiver this year. So I, I, I don't think Adams is done. But I don't think it's looking great, and it's certainly not matching up with the expectations most of us Packers fans had uh, when he when he came on board in the draft. Are you gonna ask him about the skinny Eddie Lacy now? We already we talked about that at the top of the interview. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we don't need to listen. I, I looked at I the, love I, but I, but I looked at the picture, and I saw that. Did you see the little Lil Wayne comment? No. Did he look like Lil Wayne now? He sort of does. I mean, without the tat. Yeah. Um, but uh, listen, I'm the biggest Eddie Lacy fan in the world. Even I can understand there's only a certain amount of Eddie Lacy that you can take. <laughs> yeah, that we can take on this show. Uh, Andy, but final Dave, email Dave, here. Dave, can you imagine Little Wayne getting hit by a linebacker? <laughs> <laughs> he turned to dust. I don't think he would. I think he'd be so high on whatever he was, he'd just bounce right off. Whatever, you know? man. I'm just. I'm telling you. Um, Tyler in Saginaw, Michigan, has an email here for you, Andy. Uh, is Alfred Morris 
the steal of drafts right now, or do you think Dallas drafts Elliott or some other rookie to make no Dallas running back worth the spots they go in drafts? That's Tyler in Saginaw, Michigan. I have a lot of friends in Saginaw, Michigan. Do you? None named Tyler that I can think of. Yeah, I do. Uh, so anyway, Alfred Morris, uh, what, what is your opinion on both him and the Dallas running back core uh, that is shaping up for 2016, Andy? Uh, you know what? I mean, I love me some Alf. I think, uh, I think he's gotten a bad rap in the last two years in Washington. I think, you know, his first two years were spectacular. New coaching staff comes in for whatever reason. It just doesn't all come together for him. I mean, his, you know, his performance just in the last two years has gone pretty steadily downhill, which, you know, I don't think anybody can deny. But I think the new location in Dallas, I think that's the, the premier spot he could have gone. Um, I don't necessarily think McFadden, whether they're talking about him as the starter or not, is necessarily the guy we can count on to be, uh, you know, the primary guy in touches all year long. So I think, I think Morris is definitely going to have, uh, you know, week-to-week viability uh, just based on whether or not, you know, McFadden is in the rotation or if he's hurt or, what, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I like Alf a lot. I think he's still got more to give uh, in terms of the next couple of years of his career. And he couldn't have gotten a better landing spot. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic about what uh, what's on tap for Alf uh, as we go, you know, the next two years here in, in Dallas. All right, I'm asking our great final question. <clears throat> this is the boring redraft format, so I apologize. Well, I'll tell you what. Just open it up to, to whatever you want to talk about, Andy. It could be a, a dynasty guy if you wanted. We, we no, usually it is not the house. No. Okay. I refuse. All right, I'm sorry. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being trumped by Gerzak here. That's right. Be, be careful, Ted Cruz. I might have to talk about your wife. <laughs> Give us a guy right now that you're really starting to like for redraft leagues and a guy you're going to stay away from as much as possible in 2016. Uh, well, as far as guys I like, I mean, we, we mentioned it before. Uh, I think, you know, again, Packers Homer, uh, full disclosure. Um, I think we definitely are looking at a Cobb bounce back this year. So I like Cobb a lot, and I think uh, I think he can certainly deliver. So if, you, if you've been sitting on him and you sat through last year, keep holding him. I think, uh, I think good things are coming. Um, and then it, it pains me to say this, given where I grew up, and who I'm a fan of and where I live now, but any Eagle skill players not named Ruben Randall, I hmm. think you should put on your draft board for 2016. I think, I think good things are coming for this offense. I think, you know, the Chip Kelly era is over. They are, you know, and clearly they are just completely, uh, you know, cleaning, that, cleaning house with that organization in terms of the things that Chip Kelly uh, brought to it. I like Doug Peterson there. I think I think that offense rebounds this year, and I think you know any of the Eagles skill players not named Ruben Randall are going to uh, serve you well this year from a from a redraft perspective, especially at the price points that you can get them given uh, kind of what happened last year. So um, definitely look out for the Eagles players. Uh, in terms of players that I'm not all that optimistic about, I'm not buying the two Cincinnati wide receivers who. Uh, change teams this year. I think uh, Marvin Jones in Detroit and Muhammad Sanu in Atlanta, I mean, those are guys I'm just not buying into. I do not see those guys being able to fill those roles. Um, A lot of people are talking about Marvin Jones as a number one. I don't necessarily see that. I think think he'll struggle in that role. Um, And then, 
Muhammad Sanu as a, as a number two or as a, you know, target hog in Atlanta. I don't know if that's the role he can, he's really best suited to play. I think he's a great, you know, number three or number four, you know, sub package type guy, but I just don't see either of those two guys having a lot of success, uh, you know, leaving Cincinnati and going elsewhere for the big money. Yeah. Sanu sucks. Yeah. Well, unlike those guys, that's you know, my best analysis of him. He sucks. He sucks. Yeah. He could usurp Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback there though. That <laughs> remains to be seen. Perhaps. Uh, well, unlike uh, those guys who you don't see much success from uh, next year, Andy, uh, I've seen your dynasty teams. You're obviously coming off dynasty title. I think you have a lot of success coming up in 2016, even for those rebuild squads. We'll have to see what happens. I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, dropping some fantasy science. We always appreciate that. And uh, we, we wish you best of luck in 2016 and have a great Easter weekend, man. Yeah, man. Great to be with you guys. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thanks a lot, Andy. Andy Shaw, the 750 FFPC number 21 dynasty champion, former 500 number seven in the FFPC champion as well. Uh, great stuff from him, and we're going to have some great stuff settling up the I Got Five on it board oh. and putting a bow on the 2015 High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour season coming up right after this. It has come to be the final segment of the 2015 season on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak doing what we do in the final episode, the final segment every year, settling up the right. I Got Five on it board. Of all course, right, baby. I'm ready for some money. All the way through. I got five that yeah, we, when's the that we made, made that better? I haven't even heard that. Well, that's forever. the thing. I, I think going forward. We really sucked at this this year. We didn't suck at it, but I think what we need to do is we need to make a concerted effort to make one wager every single week, even right. if it's menial or not that exciting or we're not super passionate about it. All right. Um, now, listen. All right. I, I'm probably going to be Rich. tricked into. Co- okay. Trent Richardson. All right. What do you want to do? Does he make a team for 2016? Yes or no? Do you think yes or no? Well, you're obviously going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Define make a team. All right, does he make? Um, is he active on game day for a team, or is, is he on the fifty-five? Yeah, uh, does he make the roster at all? Does, does he make the roster? Does he make a game roster? So he has to be active. No, he, to he be doesn't active. have to be active. He has to be. I mean, he can even be on the practice squad, which doesn't. You know, he won't probably make that. But. Okay. How about this? Does he make it in? I'll, I'll give you this. I'll, <laughs> give right. you this. I'll give you the second round of cuts. What is it? Sixty-five? Whatever the. Uh, down to right before the final cuts. Oh, okay. So, so okay. So, so he is. We're delaying this whole. Time. I know, but he's cut in final cuts, and I still win. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the round is sixty-five. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. I got so, five. so, so, so Trent Richardson does not even get that far. He okay. sucked that bad. He doesn't get that far. Trent Richardson, at worst, will get cut on final cuts <laughs> by some team. Yes, any team. In twenty sixteen. In the NFL. I got five on it. I got five on it. I got five. On it. All right. It's not that hard. You still, uh, we still have to try. Making one already. T-Rich. I also proposed that for season five, uh, we should do a Fleener Watch segment every week of just what happened with Fleener. Yeah, Rob, we got to get some production for that. <laughs> some sort of so like... What, what's up with... <laughs> Fleener Watch 2016. Kobe Fleener ate at uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kobe Fleener didn't get a haircut again this week. <laughs> just updating you His on mane that. has grown longer. Yeah. Kobe Fleener got a text from Andrew Luck this week. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's go over the wagers here, Dave, as we uh, as right. we wrap things up. Wait here. one second. You just start. Well, don't you want to hear this? I'm, I can hear you talk. Well, where you're just okay. I Wait thought you were two seconds. Leaving, leaving. Okay, the first wager we made, March 9th. Martellus Bennett finishes as the number three, number four, or number five tight end in the FFPC format. Dave said 
Yes. I said no. Martellus Bennett finishes as the number 18 tight end. <laughs> and I remember See, that, was a, that, was a, that was a layup for you. Well, it, it kind of was, but then like Lance. Um, well, even, I think it says either three, three, four, four or five. five. And then and then Lance, I remember that that night in the chat room, he's like, "Come on, give him six, Falky." <laughs> and like honestly, and this, you're gonna call me out on this and say, "Oh, you never would have done that." But if you would have finished it as six, I would have given you the win. Oh, and whatever, you're a liar. No, I'm dead serious. I I knew you were gonna say that, but I'm I'm serious. I would have given you. Uh, six. Okay. I was watching the show, the movie Bad Words Night, and just like that guy said, you're a liar to that little kid. And I gotta watch that movie. That's a good movie. April 24th, Pierre Garcon, over or under 143 fantasy points in 2015. Uh, you said under, or excuse me, you said over. Oh, I did. You said over, I said under, and you won because Garcon had 171.8. Yeah, baby. So congrats on that win. Right on. Uh, here was a fun one. This, this is, you just this have is, puberty, your this voice is, This is sort of like your Kobe Fleener last year. Um, or excuse me, my Kobe Fleener last year. Uh, May 8th, more points in the FFPC in 2015. Uh, Eric Ebron is who I had, 138.2. Oh, boy, here we go. You had Mark Easley, <laughs> 37, 37.9. I literally won that bet by more than 100. So that was great. Thank you, Eric Ebron. I, I, I don't know. I, I, what I, the I, hell I, were what were miss that one. Marquise Lee. Like you, you were like the biggest Allen Robinson fan too, and then you're still well. I whatever. got sucked into the Lee the Lee it's just, it's on, just, that, on that one. It's how much you hated Ebron last year, I think is what it was. You were not a fan. You still yeah. aren't a fan, are you? No, I don't mind him. I mean even I, with I Calvin like, gone? I don't mind him. I actually like him more now. Yeah. Okay. A lot more. May fifteenth. We covered this draft live. Now if you remember, Don Terminello got his time or schedule mixed up. <laughs> and and uh, his draft was auto-drafted. Yes, okay? and I liked his team, right? And you liked his team. A lot. And, and John Duckworth um, was, was drafting in general. His team sucked. No, and I was saying, wait, wow, I think that this is – Duckworth's got a really good team here. And then we, you were analyzing, and you're like, eh, you know, I, I don't like this. This is okay. This is all right, I guess. I don't like that guy. I don't like this guy. And you're like, you know what? I actually like Don Terminello's auto-drafted team <laughs> um, better. Than, uh, than John Duckworth's uh, team. So we made and I got five on it. I had Duckworth, and you had Terminello. Now, here's, here's the weird thing about this wager. Those guys finished first and second. In oh, the nice. But they, but they both finished first and second. I think, I think I had to beg Donnie T to actually run that team after. I'm like, dude, this oh, team really? is good. Yeah, and it was good because yeah. it finished with 1,921 points. John Duckworth's team finished with 1,900 and 27 points. Oh, God, so Duck, Duckworth wins by Dude, six points. That is unbelievable. Which is just crazy that, that it was that close, that Terminello's team was auto-drafted, he still gets second, and uh, that I won the wager. Okay, this one I was going to throw out. That's, that's a gif. This one I was going to throw out, um, but I didn't, just because I like Ron Meyer. But on June 5th, Tupacker two, two co-hosted the show with you, and you guys are talking about Allen Robinson. And uh, yeah, he, all of a sudden, like, Meyer's love just turned into, like, crazy love and said that Allen Robinson was to be a top 12 receiver. And then he's like, I got five on it for Balky. <laughs> so he made the wager for me. You, you, you who liked Allen Robinson were like, well, I don't like him that much. I was I playing the odds. Yeah. You said no. Allen Robinson finishes sixth in Meyer receivers. Meyer is a genius. So Meyer is a genius. So I won that one as well, which I was very excited about. This is the one that you should have offered to throw out but you never did, and I was too much of a man to say, okay, we're not counting this. June 26th. I'm down a lot of money already. More points in the FFPC. I had 
I spotted you 90 points with Devin Funchess, and I took Kelvin Benjamin, who promptly <laughs> tore his ACL. Woo! So Funchess's 83.3 points was a clear winner to Benjamin's zero there. Congratulations. Plus the 90? On a, yeah, plus the 90. Well, 173. Yeah, 173. I, 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 I feel like I barely still won that. July 10th, again, more points in the FFPC. Uh, I had Matt Forte. One ninety six point seven. You had Lashawn McCoy, who started off slow. I think I got it. One eighty two point seven. Oh come on! So you lost you, that one by fourteen. You suck, she. Fourteen. Excuse me, fourteen even. So I won that one. Uh, okay, this this one I wanted it to happen so bad because it would have clinched the board for me. July twenty eighth, <laughs> I said Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell finish as the number one receiver oh. and number one running back on a points per game basis. You gave me fifteen to one odds. Yep. Okay. So if you right, right. we yeah. don't need to explain that. Yeah. Red Antonio Brown finished as the number one receiver <laughs> on a points per game basis. Le'Veon Bell. Now here's the thing. Le'Veon Bell, remember he got hurt. I know, and, and he was well. crushing it. Yeah. He finishes as the number four. Oh my God. Running back on a points that. per game. So you almost did. And you know what sucked is like there was no drama with it because Arian Foster was actually ahead of Bell. Or not Arian Foster, uh, Jamal Charles oh. was ahead of Bell. And he was obviously out for the year. So I knew I couldn't win oh, it. Oh, that's great. Uh, which, but that was fun. Whew. So you won that one. You know, it's funny. I don't know the results of any of these. So I'm, I'm, I'm being as entertained as well, probably no one else is being entertained. Yeah, I'm being entertained. Only I, I'm the uh, what is it, Ernst and Young? I'm the Ernst and Young in the room. And yeah. well, and Rob knows what happens at the end. Uh, Lance, I predict a run by Dave soon. Uh, August 28th. Here is another great Gerzak bet. <laughs> Bishop Sankey finishes as a top 30 running back. Did I, I said that? Yeah. You I must said, have been drunk that night. Said yes. Did I start drinking that I said yes. You said no. I don't know. I don't remember that. What did you finish? 97? <laughs> 74th. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> all right. So, they're not all winners, folks. So, okay. And speaking of they're not all winners, Devontae Adams on September 18th. I'm going to have to pull the plug on this, on I, this show. I said he finishes as a top 24 receiver. You said no. Hell no. And he finishes as 69th. All right. So I lost that. I got one. a little vindication finally. Now, if you remember, we we did our our um, FanDuel lineups. Remember the FFPC uh, had the, the the weekly challenge, and yes. you and I announced our good friends at FanDuel. Yeah. So then this is I'm not going to get into, you know, all the nuts and bolts on this, but I can say, here's how it went for the the weeks we actually both did lineups on the show yeah. where you know whatever. So it wasn't every week. The 18th, September 18th, I won. September Why don't you 20th. just go through who, how many won, who won in total? Uh, I don't have that. But I'll just say it uh, out loud. Right. 18th, I won. The 25th, you won. October 2nd, you won. And then the 9th, 16th, I won of October. November 13th, I won. November 20th, I won. And that was it. That was the only ones we did. Okay. So whatever that. Terrible bet. November 13th, we made an Eddie Lacy bet. All right. Um, I said he was fat. You uh, said he's not. I, we were talking about how many touches he was going to get that week. Okay. And we set it at ten and a half. Okay, I said more, you said less, and Eddie Lacy finished with zero because he was an inactive. Yeah. So you won that one. Another. There was some debate about whether he was going to play or something. Right, and I was like, screw it, start him. <laughs> my 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 Eddie Lacy, uh, my Eddie Lacy love knows no bounds. Um, November twenty seventh, more FFPC points in week twelve. I had Michael Floyd. Another guy I was championing last year, who's also on Blake Carrington team. He's got, so. He had some good games. You had Cecil Shorts. Jesus. I can't remember who Houston was playing that week. It was probably New Orleans because Shorts ended up with 12.8, and Michael Floyd had 2.4. Yeah. So you won that one. That is awesome. 
Here's an interesting one from December 4th, and we're almost done here for everybody who's stayed with us this long. Um, December 4th, Jesse James, the backup tight end for Pittsburgh. Uh, Over under 11 FFPC points, and then we put the qualifier in if Heath Miller was inactive. He was inactive. And Jesse James, and I, who, I remember this say? game so well. I, I said he would – I, I, I said under. Oh, you said over. Okay. Um, and I remember this game so well because on the very first drive, Jesse James had like – it was like two catches for – well, no, it was uh, – it would have been two catches for 45 yards, I think, right. on, on the first drive. Yep. I'm like, well, I lost. Yep. That was all he got. What a piece of crap. So seven and a half he finishes at. And I said under, you said over, so I won that one. He's no Heath Miller. Uh, more week 15 FFPC points. This was another guy I was riding last year, Buck Allen. I said he would uh, score more than Delaney Walker. Um, and I don't remember exactly if this was the week that Walker caught that weird touchdown. I remember it ricocheted and it was like a 60-yard touchdown. Yeah, I think he had two that game. Well, he, I don't know what he did, but he ended up with 21.9 points. Buck Allen, 1.8. <laughs> so you won that one. And then, of course, the final wager – uh, Wasp guy, I love this. Wants the running tally. This is the last wager, guys. Then I'm gonna reveal it. Okay. Uh, the big reveal. The big reveal. More FFPC playoff challenge points. Um, I had, uh, and we we did our lineup. We did our lineup uh, on the show. And to to stay in compliance with all federal and state regulations, we did not actually enter them into the contest. We did not, but I actually went and looked at the standings to see where we would have oh, finished. Really? Okay, so I have cool. the, I have those numbers right, too. Great, yeah. Great. So I finished with 305.2 points. Right. Which would have been good. How many people were in the playoff challenges here? Two two thousand something. I forget. Twenty four hundred. Was it twenty four hundred? I I honestly I I don't know. I don't okay. remember. And why would you remember? Yeah, that's what Alex always cares about. I'm like, I don't know. Did we do pretty well? So I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Whatever. Yeah, right. Anyway, I so, got a podcast coming up. Alex, I'm really <laughs> give a crap. My three hundred and five point two was good enough to finish one thousand five hundred and first overall. <laughs> All right. Would have another. fallen just short of that uh, big payday. Come on. You finished at. 322.6, yes. which would have been good for 1,050th place. Wow. So we are great at that. We would have donated had we played. They should let us play for the benefit of the players. That was the final wager we made. I think I lost. So we are going to reveal here the... <laughs> the winner here. It's not a new clip. I, we just never play it. Dave finishes with 10. Balky finishes with... 13. Oh, so that man. is a $15 profit for me on the board this year. And it actually ties up the board. Uh, I got five on it. It's two to two. Remember, you won season one and two. I won season three and four. I'm, it's, I'm on a win streak. You are. But I'll say this. For, for anybody who follows baseball or especially the NBA, it's never a series until you lose at home. So I feel like you won the first two yeah. games at home. That was expected. Yeah. Then you come to my place, the Terror Dome. And then you uh, you you drop two there. That's on it. Now I don't know where the next game is. This, season is, this five. is a really exciting season. Going back up. to your place, we stand at mine. We'll find out, and we're going to try to make wagers every single week to make it uh, very compelling. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is not only going to do it for the show. That is actually going to do it for season four of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I want to thank Andy Shaw for being a great guest tonight. A lot of great stuff from him. I want to thank the FFPC, our audio engineer, and. Uh, uh, audio engineer Bryce, our mutual friend and producer Rob, who once again, three straight years for Bryce, four straight years for Rob. Fantastic job. Big hand for you guys. We couldn't do the show without you. We're looking into a raise for you after, um, after next season. <laughs> yeah, that, we're, we'll sign you a futures deal is, <laughs> is what it is. 
and uh, we'll see what happens there. So now for everybody's like thinking like, oh, wait a minute. Um, will the crappy song, the, the, the intro get changed? Yeah, it will. Oh, but good. you know what? Oh. Not next week because oh. we're not having our season premiere next week because you will be gone. And I don't want to have a season premiere with you gone. So it's going to be a special bonus episode, uh, the hidden episode of season four. <laughs> As uh, I will be doing the show next week with up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Con- is that Contra? Is that what? <laughs> I think so. Mike Tyson punch out? I don't know. Um, so anyway, next week, DynastyTradeCalculator.com's Izzy Alcafis will going to be hosting with me. Send your Dynasty trades to uh, HighStakesFantasyFootballGmail.com. We're going to talk a lot about those. I haven't actually asked you about this, but I was thinking about not bringing up what league they took place in or who made the deals. But, you know, the FFPC Dynasty trades that go down, I thought mm-hmm. I'd bring a few of them up on the show yeah. and have Izzy analyze them. I think that would be compelling. Sure. And then that way, if, like, you know, Andy Shaw's listening or, or Bip Lab Mandel's listening, like, oh, my God, they read my uh, uh, trade on the show. Worst trade I've ever seen. They'll know it, but <laughs> nobody else will. Nice. So, so there you go. So that is what we're going to do next week. Uh, I want to remind everybody to uh, play the FFPC Satellite and Classics, uh, the, the draft experts and Classics. Uh, and the today, new Dynasty Leagues. We just talked about Dynasty. Yeah, we got, we got Dynasty startups going. You can check those out at myffpc.com. Of course, Dave, Dynasty Fantasy Football, the best game out there that there is to play. It's pretty awesome. Uh, register for those Dynasty startups, the FFPC main event, and the Football Guys Players Championship. Get in before the early bird's over so you can take full advantage on all the frills and uh, uh, bells and whistles that you get. Uh, contact your local reps. Sit down with them. Uh, talk to them today. Your Easter weekend starts This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. You don't